What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 98 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Coming up on 100 soon, we'll have to have a party or something for that. It is obviously always brought to you by SorrySports.com. Um, today, we, Sean and I jumped right in. We talked about the Yankees. They are hot again. And we talked about some trade deadline stuff, talked about a couple players on the team, some deals that could be made. After that, we talked about the Mets debacle and a few positive things about the Mets as well. Following that, we jumped into the NBA draft. We talked about winners, losers, some surprises, and some things we expected. Finally, we went through a free agent frenzy. Sean and I went up and down the NBA and predicted which teams were going to take who. We're not capologists, but we were just saying what fits we thought were good for certain players and where we thought they were going to go. So enjoy the pod. Follow us on Twitter at SorrySports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore sports. Shoot us an email if you have anything to say, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. And as always, check out the website, SorrySports.com, and enjoy the pod. everybody welcome back to the sorry to interrupt podcast we're here for a monday rundown uh, a couple different things on the docket today um tom what's going on man how was your weekend what's up man um the next draft went as planned but the rest of it was a little weird yeah it kind of was right i mean the first little bit kind of went chalk and then after that with a couple of moves um you know things got shaken up a little bit i think no more crazy was bull bull falling where he did but we'll get to that in a little bit um i'm looking forward to hearing your your take on everything you sent me that text yesterday of bull bull some tape of him and you're like how did this guy fall that far i was like you're right man i was i was i was as surprised about that as anything absolutely man but we'll, we'll talk about that after we talk a little mlb so the yankees are back yeah, isn't it funny? Like, last week we were like, oh, you know, they split with the White Sox and Tampa's coming in and they're only a half a game up. And But what did we conclude after we said that? That's baseball. That's baseball. And you're going to go with the highs and you're going to go with the lows and everything else is going to kind of figure itself out. Baseball is the ultimate war of attrition and generally the best team always finds its way. Um to, to its average, and that's what the Yankees have been doing. Absolutely. What a great week, man. What a great week. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we don't need a starter, but the starting pitching has performed really well of late. It was really good. Um, obviously, Tanaka, when we were recording the podcast. Still want to start. Phillips, yeah, I mean, he goes out there and pitches a complete game shutout in a game that was a statement game. We know how he is in big starts. The next night, Hat battles through five. The Yankees win that game. Cease 50th win. On this Wednesday is the Yankees sweep. And then Houston comes in. And Green is the opener with Cortez. Take advantage of the bats getting hot early in that game. And then Paxton was good. Tanaka was good. You know, Hap threw a clunker there yesterday. But you're right, man. The starting pitching was real good. Yeah, man, I'm I'm happy with how they've been playing of late since we last spoke. Um, Judge is Judge is back as well as Stanton. Um, 
He had a nice play in the field, throwing somebody out at second, and he's obviously always going to hit. He says he's 100%. I find that hard to believe with that type of an injury, but he looks like he's playing damn near close to it. Yeah, I think they're being a little cautious with both of them, and that's to be you know, understood. You don't want to rush these guys back. We saw when Hicks came back, he wasn't playing every day, and Didi wasn't playing every day. Well, why would day. you when their replacements are playing so well? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, you get a guy like Gardner who's, you know, he's a backup and Urshela, who's one of the three finalists for third baseman to start in the all-star game for the AL is now playing two or three days a week. It's, it's really remarkable when you look at it, at the depth of this team and a little bit of other news came out. It looks like your guy, Clint, you know, I had my emotional, uh, let down when I saw them send him down. I was like, he's played his last game here. They want him gone. And, it seems now that they're backtracking a little bit. I mean, at least from what the indications are, Hal Steinbrenner came out and said that they will not trade him for a rental. Um, and I believe that he fits into their plans now. I mean, obviously I sound like a hypocrite, but they send him down promptly. It seemed like he's just not one of Cashman's guys. I don't know that, but it just seems to be that way. But if Hal, if he's getting a vote of confidence from Hal, you got to feel good about your guy now, right? Yeah, I just, I also think that was kind of a, um, a statement, just, just setting the market for him, as well. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I just think that was telling the Giants that they can fuck right off if you think you're going to get him for Matt, for Madison Bumgarner, who has been trash. Yes. Yep, and you you make a good point there. You're right. It was probably setting the market because in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start to see this market take shape a lot more, and we're going to start to see out of the buyers who are looking for that pitcher, what are they? what is a Stroman going to go for? What's a Mike Miner or a... Uh, or a Bumgarner or, you know, a Zach Wheeler going to go for. And if Clint Frazier seems to be the name that everyone's calling the Yankees about and he's off the radar, either someone's going to have to drastically overpay or the Yankees are going to be able to get their pitcher for the price that they want. Yeah. little sidebar, one of my coworkers um, actually told me that I looked like Frazier. Now, I am not a ginger. What? I am not a ginger. But he said you have curly hair that that's kind of wavy and flows over your face. I don't know if he was hitting on me or not, but sounds like that was possible. Um, I don't know. What do, you, do you see it? I guess the facial features, maybe, and the the hair type, not the hair color, but the hair type. Definitely don't see it. Um, I'll, but he's I a good-looking guy. I'll take it as a compliment. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the aside way I would from being take a ginger, is, you both got some swag. Easy with the ginger comment. Uh, <laughs> you got. You both got that swag. You got that air of confidence, kind of that brash confidence. You know, people talk about quiet confidence. I would not, I would not describe Clint Frazier as having quiet confidence, and definitely not you. Oh, thanks, buddy. Well, yeah, it means you're brash and confident. That's a good thing too. I mean, whatever. What's what's that song when he says I'm not, not cocky, I'm confident? When you tell me I'm the best, it's a compliment. Yeah, exactly. No, I was not insulting you. I was just letting you. You know, that's a little you guys kiss there for you. There you go. Look at dropping the references. I dig it. But yeah, you you guys definitely have that similarity. I would I would definitely agree with that. But no, I think Frazier. I think I still don't think he'll be a roadblock in a deal. 
and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, I think if the right deal for a Strowman or somebody like that becomes available, they'll move him there. But I think this is a kind of a good way of saying, no, we still, he's still in our long-term plans. He's just pushed up against it right now. Exactly. And he has options and we're going to roll with, we can get an Edwin and Carnacion and we're getting a John Carlos Stanton back and an Aaron judge back. There's just no room for you. You're not knocking Gardner off this roster. And, you know, Maven ended up getting hurt, but they before that they kept him on the 25 men. And again, you got no problems playing Maven twice a week or Gardner three times a week. But you're not going to keep Frazier up here to play, you know, two three times a week. That's that's a that's a waste. Exactly, and I I think well when you read the when you read it, it sounds like to me that you thought, oh, he's still part of the plan. To me, when I initially saw that Bleacher Report. I thought, okay, well, they're just setting the market for him. And maybe it's somewhere in between. I don't know. But all I know is that they're not giving him up for a rental, and I feel really good about that. Now, if they could say the same thing about Andahar and really set two hard markets there, then I'd be really happy. Yeah, I like that too, man. And that's a good point. Uh, I think it's worth discussing just briefly here is I think what we've seen with this Yankee team is – when you're out of sight, you're out of mind because your replacements play so well that you don't really miss them. Like, I don't know any other team that would not, dare I say, miss an Aaron Judge. Now, are you better without Aaron Judge? No, you're not better without John Carlos Stanton. I can't say you're better without Miguel Andujar's bat in the lineup every day, but we've seen Urshela and LeMahieu, what they've done in at-bats that would have been Andujar's, and you really can't say you've missed him but Not at all, but the Yankees also aren't is. stupid enough to forget the talent that he is. Right, and that's what I'm That's what I'm saying, is I think it's very important that the Yankees and Yankee fans alike don't how valuable he was as a rookie last year, how impactful the bat he is, and you know, that's not someone you just give away. You're going you're gonna to have to have the perfect deal lined up if he's going to be in it. And again, the way that this starting pitching market is, dude, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but unless something dramatically changes in the next couple weeks, there's nobody worth trading an Andujar or a Frazier for. No, I agree with you. I mean, I don't know really what the market is for Stroman. Maybe you could shed a little more light on that. But again, I mean, these people that are saying, oh, we don't need Andahar, trade him for Baumgartner, trade him for a pitcher, are the same type of fans and the same type of analysts that were saying the Yankees season is over last week. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a short-term reaction, and it's stupid. Yeah, or the people that boo Stanton. You know, like those kind of guys. I mean, we saw. Saturday I know you got a soft spot for that after last after the when we were doing this podcast out of a lib out of a college library. I remember <laughs> that, and well, we were I, screaming. Well, and they did it again last week. It was his first game back. He went over four, struck out twice, and he was here at Boo Birds. And I'm just, you know, I understand that there's kind of the self indoctrination that Yankee fans feel responsible to give to all the marquee free agents that come over and feel that they have to earn their pinstripes for lack of a better quote but you can understand why people look at new york as kind of a joke because you know you don't boo your own guys and there's nothing that i can think of that you know if you want to give the a-rod treatment okay fine a-rod came over he was a diva he definitely seemed like he was more about himself than the team and maybe that rubbed fans the wrong way despite his talent but i can't really pinpoint anything about john carl Praise be to A-God, greatest turnaround in the history of sports. 
I, I can't see anything with Giancarlo Stanton that makes me want to boo him. He strikes out a lot. So does Aaron Judge. And if Aaron Judge wasn't homegrown and he had come over, people would boo him too. Because he, he's... These are this what these guys are going to do. But, you know, you saw it Saturday night. Stan the the only shoot. thing, and the analytics people will go crazy for this, but in clutch situations, sometimes he makes you pull your hair out because there'll be a man on second with one out, and instead of just getting the runner over, like Judge would do, he'll put the ball in play, he's going to strike out swinging out a fastball at his neck. But you know what? That's the type of player he is because he's still well, on a healthy season, which I haven't seen yet. He's still in a healthy season, going to turn around and hit you 50 bombs. And for all those people that are saying that, they're the same ones who are saying, why don't we have Bryce Harper? Well, how's he doing in Philly? Right, exactly. And, and you know what? You and I are not going to be hypocrites here, man. We wanted Machado. We wanted Harper. There's a reason you're, one of your fathers has the job that he does and not us. But, again, you know, Stanton is I a still guy. still want Machado. Of course. And, and, but you look at a guy like, uh, like a judge. I mean, yes, he has. He is a little bit more hitterish, especially when he's going right. But there are plenty of times where he strikes out with a guy on second. These are not hitters that are going to move runners over. They are up there to do damage, and they're either going to do the damage or they're not. And you saw Stanton the other night, man. Two are two two run singles on balls that were exit velocities of one hundred six and one hundred eleven, respectively that went off the third baseman's glove, that scored runs, that either tied the game or gave the Yankees the lead. He's not a whale and bail guy. When he's going wrong, yeah, that front hip opens up and he cuts and misses, and same with Judge. But when they're locked in, they are both very good hitters. Stanton is not a 220 hitter. Judge is not a 220 hitter. But it's great to have them back in the lineup. Everything becomes whole. And then we've seen the parrot get walked a couple times with Encarnacion already. Yeah, no, I'm I'm loving the Encarnacion pickup. I do have a hot take on Stanton, though. This is going to depress everybody, including you. Okay. I think that when we look back at Stanton's career, we're going to be thinking more of what could have been than what was. And I think every year, it's just going to be it's going to be what I said earlier. If he puts together a full season uh, and he can stay off the DL, he'll hit 50 bombs. But I think he's just he's going to be on the DL every year, and it's going to be really frustrating. But that's just my hot take on him. Well, can I compliment that? Sure. I think Aaron Judge is one injury away from being labeled injury prone because he came oh, up sheesh. in twenty. He came up in twenty sixteen, hit a home run in his first at bat. But do you remember how that season ended for him? He had an oblique injury in twenty seventeen. His rookie of the year campaign. He had that stretch with the bum shoulder where he didn't hit for basically a month and a half. And he got the cortisone, he came back, had a good you know, end of the season and into the postseason, set the rookie home run mark. And then last year, you know, to no fault of his own, he gets his hand broken. But this year he you know, they needed him there, it certainly seemed like it, and he hurts his oblique again. He's only compiled one full season and he's missed a lot of time. So I think that when you're that big and strong and you swing with that kind of, you know, intensity, both of those guys are going to be in, in you know, they're going to fight injuries their entire careers. I, I don't think that Stanton's more so than Judge. And as a matter of fact, you can say right now, Stanton's first few years were much healthier. One of his injuries, he got hit in the face. Yeah, we can't really count that one. But you know what? 
just to, just to bring it all back around and bring it back to the positivity that we had to start with the Yankees, if they win a World Series this year, I don't care what else, whatever, whatever else they do, all is forgiven, and I'm fine with it. Yes, and you know, you see a guy like LeMahieu do 31 multi-hit games this year, hitting 490 with runners in scoring position. We touched upon that with Mike Phillips last week on the pod. You know, signings like that, that this team doesn't seem like it's the whale and bale team that they were last year. I know Andujar had a good average year and Torres, but you look at the year Gary Sanchez is having. I want to give him some credit real fast before we move on to some more baseball, especially the team cross town. I kind of wish we had Phillips on this week after what happened in Chicago yesterday. But Gary Sanchez caught a lot of flack last year. And he set the bar so high, you know, he almost wins rookie of the year in 16 and he only played about 75 games in 2017. He puts up 37 and a hundred and he's just a monster hitting 280. And then last year he fell off and not just fell off. I mean, he was battling injuries. He had the bad left shoulder, which uh, even though he's a right-handed thrower, that's how you're receiving the baseball, dude. And you look at the movement that these Yankee pitchers generate. If you got a bad shoulder, that half a second, millisecond delay that you have is going to cause a lot of pass balls. He fought off a groin injury twice. That resulted in probably a lot of that quote-unquote lazy action behind the plate. And he just never settled in as a hitter. And there were Yankee fans that wanted him gone. There were Yankee fans that wanted Real Muto in a trade. And Cashman said, I'm not trading Sanchez. I love Sanchez. And he has returned all of that faith. He is right now sitting at 23 home runs, hitting 270, well over 50 RBIs already. And as good as this Yankee lineup is with the likes of Judge and Stanton, this team is at another level when Gary Sanchez is playing the way he is. And I think it's time that Yankee fans kind of sit back. He's also played a tremendous defense this year. And if he's healthy, this is this might be the best hitter on this team, which is crazy. I mean, I thought maybe other from Lemayhew, but obviously Sanchez brings it to another level with the pop that he has. Absolutely, man. In this day and age with catchers, Gary Sanchez is the only catcher right now I can think of that if you put him at any other position, he's a, probably a starter in the All-Star game at that position too. That That's all you really have to say with his numbers. Yes, and he's... He has the potential, we've always said this, and as has your sports father, baseball sports father, Cashman, he has the potential when he when he's on, he's arguably the best catcher in baseball. He's in the top three, and you have that. No, not even team. arguably, man. With the numbers he puts up and the defense he plays when he's healthy, it's not even close. He's putting up like all-star corner infielder numbers at catcher. No, you're right. You're right, and that's what makes him so valuable, and he's playing that defense, too, that, you know, a real Mudo plays, and when he's healthy, a Salvador Perez plays. But anyway, that's our state of the Yankees. Anything else you wanted to finish up with, my man? No, but I will say, actually, yeah, for the for the last thing, the Yankees just tied, it. I think, an MLB record for 27 straight games with a home run. So you're right. They're not, they're not you know, slipping a disc every time they swing. They're a little more average this year, um, hitting-wise, hitting for a little more average. But clearly, this team has a lot of pop. Oh, so much pop. And even guys like LeMahieu and Urshela are, are hitting some home runs. And, yeah, it's it's one of those stats that I don't know how impressive it is because in now in today's age with launch angle and all these guys hit for, home, hit for power, 
you know, someone's going to hit the ball out, but I think it is, it just goes to show how deep this lineup is because what was it Saturday night between Stanton's two, two run singles, the Yankees sat Torres and Sanchez who had each homered in the last three games and Urshela and Romine both hit home runs in that game. And that's just the level of depth that this team possesses. Gardner's in double digits with home runs. Morales, who probably won't play another game for the team, but he had a few. Now you add in Carnacion. Hicks with his pot. I don't really, there's really nobody on this team that I look at and don't think that they could put one out. Not at all. But um, let's let's move on to the Mets. Speak, let's talk about the positive for the Mets, the little bit that there is. Speaking of home runs. Pete Alonso is definitely shooting for that for that rookie record of home runs. I believe he's got 27 or 28, and we are still what three weeks away from the All Star break. Uh, yeah, we're yeah we're two we're two and a half weeks out. Two weeks out. He's two already broken out. the Mets record for an entire season. Daryl Strawberry at 26, by the way. And like I said, we're we're two and a half weeks, whatever, from the All Star break. The all-time record is Aaron Judge, and what did he hit? Forty? Uh, he hit fifty, dude. In okay. Twenty seventeen. Yeah. You think now this is an incredible season. This guy's got some lights out pop. I haven't seen a bat, a young bat like this, aside from Judge, in a really long time. Does he have a chance to break the record? I definitely think he does. I want to see if he. I, I want to see how many pitches. Obviously, health is going to be a major concern. Is he going to get pitches to hit? Is he going to be in a position where on this team that they're going to, you know, be exciting enough where people are following him? I think that's one thing that's kind of been lost in this is, you know, Judge was doing it and also was in, you know, he finished runner-up in MVP because the Yankees' success was kind of correlated with his personal success. And you see this guy doing it and... You know, we talked about it with Phillips last week. In depth, this team has a stink about it and a bad stench about it. And no matter how great he, how no matter how great he is, that we should just want to celebrate him and his accomplishment. And you know, if I'm a Met fan, I'm I'm so excited about him. But the rest of the team just makes it so hard to even feel happy about that. But personally, he's going to be their next star. I don't look at his swing as a, as a guy who's going to fall off to you. I mean, maybe he won't put up this kind of prolific power, but he's going to be a guy that hits in the 30s to 40s every year and hits around 265 to 285. Absolutely. He's no slouch at the plate. He's got a simple swing, repeatable, shortened to the ball, and he's got a lot of power. He's going to be in the 30s as long as he can stay healthy, which seemingly he has, knock on wood, so far throughout his short career. Um He's going to be sitting in the 30s every year, and that's like a low ball number. I agree. And again, I would be so excited about him personally if I'm a Met fan or even just a baseball fan. I mean, again, New York City wants its stars, man. And what better way to kind of distract yourself from everything else going on than to see Pete Alonso doing what he's doing? I just think it's, it's tough. I mean, we talk about how amazing Trout is, right? And their only downside of how great he is is that team doesn't have any correlating su- success. No. And it's kind of like the bittersweet kind of thing. I mean, they're not as dysfunctional as the Mets. They just don't have a lot of talent around him. But, you know, Alonzo, you just hope that he's, A, he can keep this up for a couple more years. 
they can find a way to put him in some important spots. I mean, that's the thing with Judge, man. He was hitting postseason home runs his rookie year. So his, his success was not, you know, he didn't break the record on a team that finished in second or third place or went out in the wild card game. I mean, he hit that home run in the wild card game. The place was as loud as it was when Didi went deep, and then he had some postseason success the rest of the time from the division series through the LCS. And to get to Game 7 and that uh, that far in in the postseason in your rookie year helps kind of create that drama and that kind of allure, I guess, right, of a player. And no matter what Alonzo does this year, he could break the record. It's going to be kind of a footnote on a really another poor season by the Mets. Absolutely. So speaking of that poor season, Phillips was almost right in his prediction. But the Mets after an allocate after an altercation, excuse me, with Mickey Calloway and Vargas and a reporter, um, he still didn't get fired. He just got fined. What a story, man. And and again, I think what's lost in this is how how he cost the team that chance to win that game. They they had the lead. He leaves Lugo in, who clearly has nothing, and he's struggling throwing the ball over the plate. He's not bringing. He doesn't trust anybody else down there, and he doesn't want to bring in uh, Diaz to try to get five outs or four outs, wherever it was. And he keeps Lugo, in, and he gives up the lead. And Again, you can't do that. I, and we've yelled about this with Boone last year, and I think he's starting to learn his lesson. You can't leave fatigued pitchers in there because no matter what their numbers are or how good they've been or how little confidence you have in other pitchers down there in that bullpen, which obviously, as we discussed last week, is a problem in of itself, you got to get to a fresh arm. If the guy's got nothing, you can't leave him out there because even if he's one of your best guys, I mean, we saw Pedro... What better case of this was Pedro getting ta- getting left in in the 3 Game 7 LCS. He had nothing left, and as great as Pedro was, and as better as by name recognition you'd have him out there, you got fresh arms down in the bullpen ready to get some outs, or at least going to try. I'd rather go down with a fresh arm than leave the fatigued uh, Seth Lugo out there. But he did, and then the altercation you just explained. Um, I guess this Newsday reporter... Uh, he went in and they were asking Callaway about it. And he was, you know, no manager likes to talk about how you lose a game like that. But he apparently he was pretty testy. And then the guy just simply says on his way out, see you tomorrow, Mickey. And he loses it for, I don't know whether he thought he, the reporter meant it facetiously. And the reporter was like, absolutely not. I was just saying, I'll see you tomorrow. Like I work for Newsday to cover the team. And he was yelling at him, apparently saying, get that motherfucker out of here. And then Vargas went in and said, I'll knock that fucker out. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Well, I appreciate Vargas having his guys back. But aside from that, it's just embarrassing. And and the thing that's even more embarrassing to me, I mean, Callaway lost his cool. He paid the price for it. He got fined, is the fact that his reputation is as managing a bullpen. That's what he did in Cleveland, right? Yeah, He managed the pitching staff, and I mean, aside from the fact that their arms just aren't doing what they're supposed to, this is the exact reason why he should be fired, is the one thing that he's known for, he can't even do right at this point. It's just really sad. Yeah, because I don't, again, 
I don't think that they're completely absolved of talent. I think they have some guys who are capable, but, you know, Familia, you can't get him figured out. You can't get Diaz to stop blowing saves. You can't get Lugo a little bit more consistent. You don't have literally anybody else down there who you feel good about. I mean, they fired their pitching coach, Dave Island, after we did our podcast with Phillips last week. And they bring in this, like, 80-year-old, 86 or 80, 80-year-old pitching coach who had been, who had not worked in the major leagues in about 20 or 30 years. Nice. He's probably like, oh, just let the starter go 160. <laughs> Back in my day, we had three starting pitchers, and they each averaged 220 innings a, start, or a, a season. Yeah, man. It <laughs> makes like, no sense. It's the seventh. DeGrom's at 110 pitches. He's like, he's got 30 more in him. <laughs> come on don't let him be a pussy keep him out there um yeah no i i don't get it like how is he going to connect with that pitching staff and again we're not going to go down this rabbit hole again everything they do is wrong everything they do is different than what other teams especially winning teams do they don't have a plan but to not fire callaway today tells me one of two things i love to get your take on it i think you i think you're going to lean a certain way, but it either means that he can't do anything because there's no other alternative. And because of how bad Brody's been, basically Callaway is his fall guy and he can get through the rest of the season with Callaway and say, you know, we gave it the full year and we really did have confidence in him, and it just didn't work out the way we wanted it to. Or, it really is the players are going to Brody and saying, listen, it's not his fault. We love playing for him. We don't have the talent. And Brody can't make a move on that because Callaway has his players back. Which one do you think it is? Um, I'm leaning towards Brody was a former agent. He knows how to he knows how to put on a show. I'm leaning towards the fall guy myself. He might be a player's manager. Clearly Vargas likes him. But uh, I think that it's more Brody because if if there was ever a time to fire him, it was after that Lugo thing. Yeah, I would have fired him before the reporter even got in there. Absolutely, and I don't again, like to call for guys' jobs. I mean, Sean, I fired you so many times, I lost count. <laughs> You're still here, but I mean, I the, he's incompetent. Well, he is, and it just looks like he's weighing over his head. And no matter, and I think the reason that the players like playing for him is because it's comfortable. He's never going to challenge them. He's never going to tell them what to do. He's going to let the players rule the clubhouse, and they like that. You know, you have personalities like a Syndergaard in there and who obviously, basically by him opening his mouth, got DeGrom a contract extension. And that, that's the kind of atmosphere they like to cultivate in that, in that clubhouse. And listen, I, if I you're... Really like, I really like, honestly, a Girardi for the Yankees. I mean, excuse me, for the Mets. But I just don't think that Van Wagenen would have the balls be- to assign him because he's got a World Series, he's got a manager of the year under his belt, and he just wouldn't take that kind of shit. No, no. I think he has, he's one of, that. that's really what's going to be interesting is whenever Callaway goes, do they have the ability financially one and also from a pride standpoint to let a guy like a show Walter or a Girardi come in and completely change that clubhouse. And I don't think that they do. 
they've never when have they had a strict disciplinarian i mean even terry collins i don't think he was a strict disciplinarian no, not I think, at all. He was a player's I, manager, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Girardi is seen as somewhat of a player's manager as well, but he'll call you out when need be. Ask Gary Sanchez. Exactly. Ask Gary Sanchez. And he also isn't going to take the bullshit from the from the front office either if he disagrees with it. Why don't you ask Cashman about that? Very good point. Yeah, and obviously that was what ended his tenure with the Yankees. It certainly wasn't his ability to manage a game or, you know, I, I don't know how you can say that the team didn't have his back when, you know, they were down 0-2 in the division series and they came all the way back 1-3 in a row and got to Game 7 of a LCS with a team that was not even expected by a lot of people's accounts that year to make the playoffs. And he obviously overmanaged a couple of years. You can point to some of those Yankee teams, dude. They weren't great teams, and they were pretty much in it towards the end. He did a great job managing farewell tours of, of, of Rivera and a Jeter and a Pettit and an A-Rod. I mean, that's hard. That's a hard thing to do. And I always thought he did a great job. I always thought that the team liked him. He was just a little tense, and for the direction they were going in, they wanted a guy like Boone because, you know, that, that organization, I'm speaking from the Yankees, is run from the front office down. Would you agree? I agree with you, and... Again, you don't need a manager like that when you have a when you have a good front office that's well run and makes the right decisions. But when you're the Mets and shit's all over the place, sometimes you need an adult in the room to keep things in order. What would you think about a guy like a Buck Showalter? Now he's never won a World Series, but he his entire reputation, starting with his Yankee career back in '92, has been to develop young teams that have kind of struggling to find their way or the culture of the team is kind of out of place and get them to the point where they're a good core group for a few years. Do you think that the Mets would take that chance? I mean, you'd be contradicting analytics because Buck Showalters don't really have jobs in today's baseball. But if I'm the Mets, I think about it. If I'm Van Wagen and I think about it, because even though I think analytics have a place and that's where the direction of the game is going in basically every front office, I do think that a guy like a show Walter's track record speaks enough for itself where when he turned around in the Orioles, that Oriole team sucked for a long time. The Diamondbacks, the Rangers and the Yankees all got better under his watch to varying degrees. I think the Mets would probably be smart to make that kind of move. But what would you think about a guy like show Walter coming in? I like show Walter. I, I think everything you said, developing a young team and kind of uh Cracking the whip, I guess you would say. Put, getting a team in order. Getting these young guys in order. And not taking the bullshit from Syndergaard or whatever would be a good thing. I think Girardi would be even better because he's got a little bit of showalter in him, but a lot more new age baseball as well. Um, but I just don't think the Mets have the balls to do either of those. And I think they're going to go with a yes man and they're going to run it back. Yeah, or they're going to bring in a, a Riggleman, which you know Phillips described last week, who was their bench coach and basically brought in to be the replacement, who's had some success but has never been someone where people are like, wow, we had Jim Riggleman, thank God. Yeah, no, the, they're going to bring in a yes man, absolutely. And we're just going to run it back with the Mets, sell the team. <laughs> sell the team, and they never, they never will, and... Just end the suffering can continue to be the slogan.
Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move on to uh, another league where somebody should just sell the team, but <laughs> the NBA. Um, hey! So the Knicks did as expected. They went with R.J. Barrett. I'm happy with it. I'm not going to you know, give uh, Perry a high five. I'm not going to give the front office a high five. You drafted the third best guy in a, in a three-player draft. Good job. Clap it up. All right. Well, you sound a little. I mean, you're you're subdued a little bit. But what do you think about R.J. Barrett as a prospect? I would be excited if I were a Knicks fan. You didn't I get like Zion Morant. He can create off the dribble. He can he can get into the paint. He's not scared of the moment. And I think honestly, being on a team with Zion and everything, everybody's making fun of him because he shot only what twenty nine percent from three. He's got a good. He's got good form on his shot, and he made clutch plays. He got a little bit worse as the season went on, but I think the hype and everything kind of messed him up. I, he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a really good player. He can kind of be – he's a bigger guy. He can play that point forward position. And the way things are looking, we're going to be building young. So I think with him, Knox, and Mitchell Robinson, you have a good young core. And you're going to be in the lottery again next year. So that should be a lot of fun as well. Well, you said a lot there, especially your ending. Why are you going to be in the lottery again this year? All right, so they released the odds for signing free agents, which seemingly change every day. So I don't want to get you too excited, but Kevin Durant supposedly going to go to the Nets. Andre Iguodala also said that the Knicks are getting no one this year. I was already prepared for that. Well, two things there. One, Iguodala said it very tongue-in-cheek. He said it kind of laughing. No, I know. And, uh, of course, of course. And I, I don't know how accurate that is. And also, the Vegas odds do kind of matter because, remember, they put the Lakers as the favorite on that Friday, and nobody really understood why. And then 24 hours later, Anthony Davis is a Laker. So I, Yeah, I agree with that. But, I mean, we don't know, and... If the Knicks even do get Kevin Durant, he's not going to play next year. So we know they're going to be a lottery team either way. Well, I think it's a pretty safe bet. Even if you don't get Durant, even if you get Durant and he doesn't play, and you get your second free agent, which I think is inevitable if you get Durant, you're going to get a co-star. I don't know if it's Kyrie. I don't know if it's Kemba. I don't know who it is, but it's somebody who's going to make your team better. Now, personally, I think R.J. Barrett's going to step in and be one of the best rookies in at, at, this year. I really think he's that good. I think that the Knicks situation is perfect for him. I expect Knox to be better and healthier. I really like Dennis Smith Jr. as just a guy who can score. And Mitchell Robinson, if he does even what he did this past year, that's a good team. You're going to fill out the rest of that roster. I don't know. They could be fighting for an 8 or 7 seed. I mean, are they a lot worse? Even if Durant doesn't play and they get another guy. Are they a lot worse than what the Nets were staring at in the beginning of last year? Because D'Angelo Russell hadn't become D'Angelo Russell yet. You were looking at Levert, a Dinwiddie, a Jared Allen, a Joe Harris. Like, Was that a great team? No, I, just, I, think, I see. I, I think, see some promise in this in in this young Knicks nucleus. I do. I agree with you. I see a lot of potential, but I just think Knox is still too young. He's still one of the youngest players in the league. And RJ Barrett coming in, they're gonna they're gonna show flashes. But one's a rookie, and one's barely not a rookie. So I think 
that they're going to have some really, really bad games where they lose 120-90 to as well. And I just see them in the lottery barring trading for Bradley Beal or something like that going down, which when the summer cooks up, you never know. But as currently constituted, the Knicks are a lottery team. But again, we got a lot of the draft to talk about. But I'm happy with the pick they made. It was the only pick to be made right there, kind of like the Porzingis draft. But let's move on to some other picks. So the top three, we kind of knew what was happening. And then after that, shit hit the fan. Yeah, so New Orleans traded the number four pick to Atlanta um, for, I believe it was, was it 10 and 17 or was it 8 and 17? Um, I think yeah, it was 8 and 17. Yeah, so they ended up getting, the, the Atlanta moved up and they got their guy and New Orleans is basically doing a Herschel Walker kind of thing with draft picks from what they got from the Lakers and the AD deal. Talk about the haul. They ended up with like, just from AD, they ended up with like six extra draft picks and a couple players. And they were able to offload Solomon Hill as well. Uh, Dude, awesome job. And I give Atlanta a lot of credit too. They had their guys zeroed in and and they got them. Um, Honestly, if you were to ask me and we're going to go over biggest winner and loser of the draft, Atlanta is the biggest winner for me. Yeah, them and New Orleans are tied. I think that they're both tied. I think New Orleans didn't have a guy at four they really wanted. Culver made all the sense in the world for uh, for Atlanta. Um, get him that stretch four. or uh, Yeah, that stretch four. He can play out on three as well in a smaller they lineup. They took Hunter, my friend. Or the Hunter, I'm sorry. Yeah, Culver, Culver ended up going five. So I, I was very much – I, I like that a lot. Um, and – Perfectly honest, you put on a national championship team. You're going to get a guy who, with national championship experience, walking in that door. And a lot of people liked his game. Culver, who I meant to say next, you know, he played at Texas Tech. He had a really, really good Final Four run. But Hunter was the better player in that game. And I think Atlanta said, we have to get our guy at four. And even though they had 8, 10, and 17, they felt that they had the draft collateral to move up and get him. And uh, and New Orleans didn't really have anybody at four that they were fixated on, so they got the extra draft picks. I think it was a great win for both sides. Absolutely. And the reason why I have the Hawks as the winner, and I guess we'll just go right into winners and losers instead of going over the whole draft here, because, you know, people don't want to hear all about it, and we also have to go to bed at some point tonight. I think the Atlanta Hawks are the biggest winner for who they drafted at 10. Silence from Sean. Well, you 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 love you love this guy. So I love it Cam Reddish. I think he was in a terrible yeah. situation at Duke. He's not used to being the third man. There was no offense in Duke. Coach K did a terrible job coaching Duke this year. He basically said, "All right, we're going to run a zone, so we're going to be really lazy on defense. Oh, and I'm going to be lazy on offense. RJ, you're going to have the ball 45% of the time, and Zion, when you are playing, you're going to have the ball the other 55% of the time. Oh, and Cam, just go over there and shoot like you're on a team with Russell Westbrook with two seconds left on the shot clock. That's not Cam Reddish's game. He's going to be really good in spot-up situations, being fed actually good passes and good possessions from Trey Young, and he's also going to be a really good guy at attacking the basket. The reason for my silence was I'm not as high on him as you are. I don't I know think you're he's not, a bad. But I don't keep think in mind this guy player. was the number three recruit in the country. This guy no, can I street t- ball. I totally agree. 
there's obvious reasons why he would be good at number 10 and he could step in and be successful. I'm just not as high on him. And I think that I think he was an obvious pick at 10. I'm not really going up against the pick. It made sense. If he's there at that point, you got to grab him. He's the best prospect on the board. I just don't know how great he's going to be. And that's why I don't really put them as the definitive winner. I think, Hey, once again, they got their guy at that pick, which every team, whether it's basketball, football, whatever, that's your guy. Make sure you get him. He has potential. I'm just, I'm a little bit more torn. I like RJ Barrett a lot more than Cam. I like RJ Barrett more than uh, more than Cam as well, and I don't like him as much as Chauncey Billups does. Comparing him to Paul George, where I don't think I, I, I don't think he'll okay. ever be as good as Paul George is, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But if he could be a light version of Paul George, that's a shooter that's very athletic as well. Now I could be very much wrong, and based off of how the draft went, I probably have a better chance of being wrong than right but going into the draft i knew it would never happen but i kind of like nasir little even a little bit more than cam reddish as just a player now little fell all the way to 25 to portland reddish had more you know maybe it's unfair for me to not love him i just i i looked at him and yeah he had that big shot against florida state but when the opportunities presented themselves for him, I don't think he grabbed them. But again, I don't think that that's a, just to be contrarian against myself here. I, I don't really believe if if you're Duke, like you got Zion and Barrett, two top three draft picks. Where is Reddish getting his opportunities? He's not. And you still had other guys on that team that were capable of making shots and having the ball in their hand. Reddish was not going to be a focal point. It would have been better for him to go to a different school and play where he would be a little bit more prevalent in the offense. I look at his game. There's parts that excite me, but I, I think, again, the reason I didn't give Atlanta or yeah Atlanta the definitive lead is because I just don't know how great he's going to be. That's all. Yeah, no, I, I just have a good feeling about him. So who's your biggest winner? The biggest winner is a combination of New Orleans and Atlanta. Uh, absolutely. Pick a I, I team, think... bro. You've been so flip-floppy lately. I, I have to call <laughs> you out for this. All right, fine. I'll go with New Orleans. All right, there you go. All right, you got so... Zion. That's a win. No, yeah. They, the way they the – way, well, of course, that's a win. But the way they pot, stockpile draft picks, this, this entire offseason has been a win for them thus far. Um, all right, because they also cleared a lot of cap space. They can sign a decent free agent as well. I think they're going to be attractive. There's starting to be a good vibe. Hashtag good vibes. There you go, bud. I think there's a lot of good vibes going on in, in New Orleans right now. We're on that team. Absolutely. And the other thing I will say about the Atlanta Hawks before we move on to our losers is they seem to have a plan. I don't know what the plan is. I think it's to build, to build around Trey Young and get a lot of shooters out there. But at least they have a plan. Last year going with Herder. This year going with Hunter, who's a 3 and D guy, who can who can also play and make a little bit. And Cam Reddish is going to make a ton of plays. I promise you that. They, they at least have a plan. And Co- John Collins out there is a great young player as well. They also just made a trade today. They acquired Evan Turner for Kent Bazemore. I don't really know why each team did that, uh, Portland and, and Atlanta respectively. But apparently there's something in Evan Turner's game that Atlanta likes. And... 
if it's a straight up for straight up, maybe they feel they got the better player there and they can surround Trey Young with uh, with another guy with another three and D guy. Yeah, and I also think Kent Bazemore has an expiring, and Evan Turner has like three years left on his deal or two. Maybe that has something to do with it. But let's move on to our losers. You go I'm, first, sir. The biggest loser for me was, and I think you're going to agree with me on this one, the Phoenix Suns. Yes. The antithesis of the Atlanta Hawks. Zero plan out there. And honestly, aside from getting lucky and drafting Devin Booker, I believe at 13 a few years back, um, I, th- they don't have a plan at all. They haven't had a plan in a really long time. They have and a I'm lot so... of pick graveyard, man. They <laughs> really do. And, and I, I... DeAndre Ayton, now listen, he's young and he's very skilled, but... He wasn't the best player in last year's draft either, and I don't know. He's closer to the graveyard than he is to being Shaq. Yeah, I, I mean, I like his games a little bit more than you do, but definitely not justifying him at one. I, you and I were both in the Luka camp. Luka was number one, head and shoulders above everybody else. I'd take Bagley uh, over him too right now, by the way. Yeah, right now. I mean, things could change. I still think, you know, you're also a product of the team you play on. That, that Phoenix team sucks. It's the Devin Booker show, and everybody else can kind of just get out of the way. Poorly run, poorly coached. Bagley's in a t- uh, on a team in Sacramento that's actually they were vying for a playoff spot into February. So, yeah, the I Kings mean, really, I really turned it around last year. They did. So I, I always feel like you know some of these players are going to be judged more on where they're going to be judged individually. But I think you've got to look at the totality of their situation. I like DeAndre Ayton's game. I still think he's going to be a really good player. He'll never be Luca. He probably won't even be Trey Young or Bradley or Bagley. But I think he's going to be a guy when it's all said and done. People are going to be like, you know what? He was a very good player. Just not justified at the number one. But yes, absolutely the loser. And. There was a lot of rumblings going around. I think you probably heard about it too. D'Angelo they were Russell? trying to, yeah, try to clear a lot of cap space and a lot of room to get D'Angelo Russell. They trade TJ Warren to the Indiana Pacers. That For made nothing. no sense to me. Absolutely no That's sense. That's a guy that How'd... can fill it up in the NBA. He can get buckets, and he's a great defender. Yeah, I mean that's a very valuable player. And again, this is a team that got that let Tyson Chandler go for absolutely nothing. Trevor Ariza go for absolutely nothing, and uh, I don't, I don't trust anything that they do. I don't think D'Angelo Russell is going to go out there. And again, you're you're making some picks now. I kind of, I did kind of like the, uh, I like the pick they made later on in the draft. Uh, I believe it was Ty Jerome, but I don't really know what else this team can possibly do. Like wrong, like. They just don't have a plan. You said it perfectly. They don't have a plan. And when you don't have a plan, you're going to be stuck in purgatory. So, again, you're going to accumulate some draft picks that are not going to work and use your term, the graveyard. You got a Josh Jackson out there. Nobody wants him. It's it's bad. Sorry to interrupt you there, but uh, you mentioned Josh Jackson. I just Googled the Suns because I forgot the name of the player that they drafted at 11 because he was projected to go 25 to 30. First article that comes up, Phoenix Suns' Josh Jackson accused of getting a five-month-old daughter high with marijuana use. Awesome. (laughs) All right. He sounds troubled. Just a little bit. 
just a little bit. Um, do you have another loser? I, I think Boston taking Romeo Langford at 14 was very, very puzzling. Yeah, the guy's got a broken thumb or whatever. I, I, I didn't understand that one at all. I didn't think he was anywhere close to the best player on the board at that time. I, I thought he was going to make a lot of sense for them at like 27 or whatever, or uh, 25. I think I they could have really... waited. I, they had four picks from 14 to 25. I, he easily would have been available. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, that didn't think, make much sense. Uh, I think the Celtics are in a much better position. But when you when you obviously, but when you look at it from just that standpoint, I think that they're probably the second loser behind Phoenix. Yeah, I, I, I again, that's more me just looking at the player they took with their first pick and said there were probably five or six players, in my opinion. That were better than the guy you just took, but there's Ainge. I, it's hard to question Danny Ainge and, and the players that he's taken. The biggest loser to me, though, and it's not a team. Bull Bull going forty four. Wow. Yeah, man. You you said it at the top of the pod. I just I was flabbergasted, and then a video came up, a hoop mixtape or whatever came up, and I'm just like, I, and I know obviously the hoop mixtape shows their best plays. It's not just one game. I'm not an idiot, but or I might be. I don't know. I might be an idiot, but I mean, this guy is what is he? Seven foot seven or something like that? Is he that tall? Yeah, dude. He's seven seven, and he can. And shoot he's got the three. a wingspan of fucking a, a giraffe he's probably got an 11 foot wingspan and he's handling the ball like a guard driving by people and i get it the foot speed isn't quite there he'll probably break a foot in the first week of training camp um he's also skinny as a rail he'll probably get pushed around but again if you can get a very 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 times a billion light version of kevin durant that's worth a top you know, that's worth a 25 through 30 pick, if you ask me. Oh, my God. I couldn't have said it better, man. I, 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 couldn't, I could not believe that he continued to fall because eventually you become a value pick. And we see this in the NFL more than anything else. But in the NBA, you just grab the best player and hope for the best. You know, the Nets were sitting at 27. They trade that pick because they would have had to pay $3 million to that player, and they're spending their – which showed to me, again, I texted you, this showed again that they believe they're getting two max guys because every little do- every dollar counts and every little move matters. So the Nets traded the 27th pick to the Clippers and for their second-round pick and their first-round pick next year. But the Nets were there at 31, and I'm like, okay. Here we go. We're going we're gonna to get Bull Bull. He somehow – I thought they were going Kevin Porter. He gets picked 30th. I'm like, okay, they're going to go Bull Bull. They're going to go center. He's sitting here. Why would you not take him? You're going to get him for second-round money. And they end up taking the kid from Georgia who – now he fits the mold of what an Atkinson and Mark's team is. Is He's an athletic center who can guard the three through the five. He's a shot really, blocker as well. Yep. And also very nimble and quick defensively. He's got a little bit of a three-point shot that I think Atkinson feels he can he can make into more of a dangerous uh, weapon in his arsenal. I don't know how much he's going to play this year, but at that point, you're just going for value. They obviously valued him a lot more than Bull Bull. The other thing about Bull Bull is 
I don't know if they're fair or not, and I don't want to cast anything on him if it's not true. But I have heard rumblings from different people that there were some character questions, too. Oh, sheesh. So, not like anything really bad, just maybe not the best. Josh Jackson character questions? No, 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 no. Not in a baby's face? No, not like that. Um, I I, I just, like, maybe not the best of teammates, maybe not the best of guys. So, I... By all accounts, I mean, it seems like he's a good guy, and he only played, like, four games at Oregon. Well, here's my question. Even if those are just whispers, and they're, you know coaches or scouts or whatever trying to just get an advantage to get him i don't care how bad the foot concerns are i don't care how much time he might spend hurt in his career or how much refinement or bulking up he needs how in god's name does he fall to 44 Exactly. Gotta, and you know what? There's the character... got to be something else there, man. There has to be because you can't tell me that all these other teams would pass up on a guy like that that late into the draft when you can't tell me that there were 43 players better than him. I just, I don't know if it's even like a whisper of a character thing, unless you have like a, a situation where the guys, you know. It, killed someone or rumors that he's you know beating up his girlfriend or something you can get past the teammate thing because you know what when you think you're going to be a lottery pick and you get drafted 30 by the nets or whatever that's a slap to the face alone that you need to grow the fuck up absolutely and, and that works a lot so you got to take that chance at, at 40 at 31 they had to get they had to in my opinion get them but Obviously, nobody else jumped him. He went, he went twelve more spots before he got drafted. So I'll tell you what, though, he went into a really good situation in Denver. Fantastic, and this is a team that also had um, that took Michael Porter last year as at late as the last pick in the lottery, which everybody said. Remember, this is a guy with high end potential who could be a who could be a top seven, eight talent, but with the back injury, not playing a lot of games in his only year in school, maybe you let him, maybe you don't take him. but to take him that late in the lottery, that was perfect. Now. Absolutely. And I mean, the guy was the number one ranked high school prospect. The the Porter was the number one ranked high school prospect before Marvin Bagley declared. So obviously there's a lot of talent there. And Bull Bull was like a top 15 recruit as well. So, Denver, I mean, another winner, I guess, if you carry over their draft from last year? Yeah, we'll end up seeing what happens. Uh, obviously, you, you can't tell any team that you wanted, if you're a fan of, that you wanted Bull Bull. Unless you're the Nuggets, you can't really shit on them because literally every other team passed on them, in some, in some cases, two, three, or four times. So I think now it's just going to be, holy shit, you're either going to think of him as an afterthought and be like, oh, right, right, right. Remember that guy, Bull Bull, who was supposed to be really good and he never played or he didn't do much? Or he's going to be, do you remember Bull Bull who somehow fell to 44 and now the Nuggets are putting him with Jokic and Michael Porter? And It seems like they're a good fa- franchise. It seems like they're, they're front office and they're, they're a well-run team. I kind of would trust what they're doing. 
Yeah, absolutely. They, they've been on the come up a lot lately, and I think they might be a Western Conference favorite next year with the decimated Warriors. But um, let's move on to some free agency, speaking of the Warriors. So now the Nets are a favorite. Listen, I, well, that's a wait-and-see thing for me. We've got a week. Well, it's a wait-and-see thing, but this might be the last time that we're on the air talking about NBA free agency that starts remember. Next, this coming Sunday at 6 p.m., not at midnight of July 1st. So I took the liberty of pulling up the free agent list, and I want to go through a bunch of names with you, obviously, the top guys first, and then we'll matriculate our way down. And I want to get your thought on this, dude. We have not done this exercise together. I feel like every other podcast that talks about the NBA has. We haven't done it yet. And I think it's time that we lay down our predictions, get it on the record, and see how right we are. Because in the next seven to ten days, we're going to finally have our answer. So let's start off with now has become the crown jewel of this free agent class by declining officially his player option for next year. That's Kawhi Leonard. Where do you see him spending next year? It's It's been rumored Clippers all the time as the front runner, but going on this Cinderella run and winning in Toronto, he might want to stay there. It seems like it's really just between those two teams. They said he might take meetings with teams like Philadelphia. I think Woes reported that Philadelphia and the Knicks might be in the running at least to get meetings with him. What's your prediction with Kawhi? I think he goes to the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all but locked in. Um, I just think he went out, did what he was supposed to do in Toronto. He doesn't owe them anything. And he just wants to be happy. He's a simple guy. He's from L- He's from California. I think he's from around the L.A. area. He's going to go to the Clippers. All right. I'm going to be contrarian. I'm going to say he stays in Toronto. I wouldn't I think be surprised that way either. But if, if we want to be on the record being right, I'm just going to say Clippers. Yeah. No, that's – that's hey, man, that's the one that's been – Basically, the foregone conclusion since the season started, he's an L.A. guy. It makes sense. I'm going to say Toronto. So, Kawhi, you've got going to the Clippers. i got him saying Toronto. We'll go to your man, Kevin Durant. Everything's changed now with his torn Achilles, but apparently it's going to be a three-horse race from Golden State, New York, and Brooklyn. We talked about it earlier. The Vegas odds have come out. Brooklyn is now the favorite to land him. Him and Kyrie have reportedly met twice in the last week to discuss their free agent plans. Where is Kevin Durant sitting on the sideline come opening day? I'm totally torn on this one, but I think he's going to sign with the Knicks. Yep, me too. All right, so why don't you give us another guy here? Kyrie? I don't know for what reason, but I think KD that the Knicks just makes sense. So, yes, moving down the line, Kyrie. I feel like Brooklyn's the team. I think that um, I think that he signs with the Knicks and D'Angelo Russell goes back to the Nets and they re-up. Okay. All right, so the Kyrie, after all this drama, after all this doubt, after all these questions, Kyrie is going to the Knicks with KD. So here's my question, man. Just to kind of argue for a second, if you think Kyrie's going to the Knicks, how are the Knicks a lottery team next year? That team's going to be too good. Kyrie alone would win you eight to ten games. Yeah, you're probably right. I didn't know this exercise was coming. I, I didn't do my homework. 
But the more I think about it, I think I think that it's all smoke and mirrors. Kyrie's a weird guy, and if KD makes that decision first, I think Kyrie follows up and goes to the Knicks. Okay, so you got KD and Kyrie both of the Knicks. I've I'm got probably KD. wrong on those two, and I'm probably going to be really upset. But I, I don't know. I still want KD going to the Knicks. I I, I do buy that the Nets are going to be heavily considered, but when it's all said and done. I think the Knicks are still the team. Kyrie, I could just still – it's going to come down to the Nets front office. Do they want D'Lo or do they want Kyrie? If they don't want Kyrie by himself, then, yeah, he's going to join KD with the Knicks. If they're willing to pay him anyway and maybe accompany him with a Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris or something, Kyrie's going to be a net. I'll go on the record and send Kyrie's a net. Kemba Walker, I guess he's staying in Charlotte. It seems like he has no intention of going anywhere else. How about Where do you think? Charlotte, they're going to offer him that extra year, that super-duper-duper max, and he's going to take it, and I would too. Jimmy Butler, this is an interesting one. Jimmy Butler is going, if the Lakers can figure out a way to be competent, he's going to be a Los Angeles Laker. This could go so many ways. I'm going to say that he's going to be a Philadelphia 76er. I could see he, that too, but I, I, I just think want to go with the stay. Lakers. Yeah, I, I mean that would be that would be pretty remarkable. But I got him staying in Philly. So next, we have D'Angelo Russell, who's a restricted free agent. If you've got Kyrie going to the Knicks, you got to believe D'Angelo Russell staying with the Nets. Absolutely. I have D'Angelo Russell finding his way to the Indiana Pacers. Whoa! Left field, my friend. I think the Nets are getting Kyrie. And as a result, he's going to have to find another place to play. Indiana makes a lot of sense. And uh, you're going to pair him with an Oladipo. And I think that's a really good destination for him. Okay. Clay Thompson... Clay Thompson's going to be a warrior for the rest of his life. Yep. Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. I think Malcolm Brogdon is gone, which we'll probably get to later, although he is a restricted free agent, but they don't have the money to pay him both, and I think Chris Middleton comes back to the Bucs. I agree. I I think Middleton is going to go back. I think there's going to be a lot of teams buying for him. I think there's going to be some talk that he's close to signing somewhere, but Giannis is going to talk to him. Giannis knows he needs him. Um, I think he stays. Tobias Harris, another very interesting one that could go a lot of different ways. I think Tobias Harris is a Houston Rocket. That would be a great fit. I think that Daryl Morey, if there's anybody that can figure out a way to squeeze every dollar he possibly can out of the cap, it's him. And he fits perfectly there, a catch-and-shoot kind of guy that can also create his own offense when it's just him and Chris Paul out there, and Chris Paul's panting, unless they trade Chris Paul, which I don't think they can with that massive contract. That's going to be almost impossible. Um, Although Mike Phillips did write reasons why he should go to the Knicks. Don't agree with the article, but it was a well-written piece, Mike. Thank you for that. Check it out on sorrysports.com. That's right. Um, yeah, I think Tobias Harris goes to the Houston Rockets. You think he re-ups with Philly, or where does he go? The Lakers? No, I think he's a Brooklyn net. Oh. I think I think that I think KD's going to the Knicks. Therefore, the Nets, if they're getting Kyrie, are going to have to pair him with another another guy. And if it's not going to be Jimmy Butler, who I have staying in Philly, 
they're not going to re-sign both those guys. Tobias Harris has mutual interest with the Nets. The Nets like him a lot as a player, and Harris likes the Nets. Um, that marriage makes a lot of sense. The Nets don't have a stretch four that can shoot, and that's a player, a kind of player that fits Atkinson's offense like a glove. And um, um, I like... I like the fact that Harris with um, with that net coaching staff and uh, the supporting cast around him, I think Kyrie and him would be a lot of fun. And, yeah, I like Harris with Brooklyn. That's so, their you're second, right, you a little drunk guy. No, not at all. I was just trying to think of the next guy because I'm looking down here, Chris stops, and I was thinking of him as the net if the freaking Mavericks don't re-sign him because of this rape allegation. Jeez. I was just reading up on that, dude. Did you see? You know what's going on? Well, I saw it, but I didn't know. I don't know the recent news. I saw that a long time ago, but I'm I'm just reading this right now because he's the tenth guy on this list. Yeah, I I think this is going to be very interesting if Dallas if if he stays in Dallas. So why don't you share? Well, every everything going on right now is that there's a case that's being held in New York that's due for the fall. So if there's a hearing in the fall, oh God, <laughs> I, I, they're going to, if they re, if they keep him, then they're going to probably have to put some kind of clause in his contract. Sheesh. They got, we got a Kobe Bryant situation. Yeah, sorry for the, sorry for the distraction, but this is a little more serious than I think that we just brushed off under the table, you know, a couple months ago. It's that bad, huh? Anytime you're talking about a rape case, an allegation, man, it's not good. No, that is not good. And that's my question is if I, if I think Harris is going to be a net, you bring to another stretch four. Well, he's more than a stretch four, but he plays that kind of style of basketball. Because Harris would make a lot of sense in a Dallas. I, I, I don't know. I guess Porzingis stays and they just work something out and hope yeah, for the I best. Yeah, I think Porzingis stays. I don't know anything about the case, so I'm really not going to say anything about it. Obviously, you know how we feel about any type of crime like that. Pretty heinous act. But let's move on to the next guy before we can get more information on that one. I'll get my sources out there. Vucevic. Ooh, Vucevic. All right. Well, I said I said Jimmy B was going to the Lakers, so they're not going to have any room for him. Although I think he would be a nice fit with the Lakers. I think, I think he, I think he stays with Orlando. Yeah, this seems like an Orlando move, right? Just it seems like it's, just, it's a guy. move that makes no sense, and that's why they would do it when they have an Aaron Gordon, a young big man, a. Jonathan Jonathan Isaac, they got Mo Bamba. Let's just throw a guy down there that's going to be a walking double-double that we need to play, just to clog up the paint a little bit. But another place I could see him going to, a team that's going to have plenty of cap space um, with Al Horford and Kyrie leaving, is the Celtics. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I didn't even think of them with him. But that makes sense in Stevens' offense. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good outside the box one. I have him just—I just have him staying right there in Orlando. Yeah. So, but but that's that's a good dark horse. Here's one for you, Demarcus Cousins. What kind of deal is he going to get, and where does he go? Does he want to just say, you know what, I want to go back to being one of the best players, and I'll suck on a bad team, 
or or I'll be great on a bad team? Or does he say, you know what, I really want to win. I got a taste of it this year, but I wasn't healthy. Does he go back to Golden State? What kind of what kind of team does he go to? I think he goes back to Golden State on a one and one, and I think he see, that's a win win opportunity for him because that team's not going to be bad. They're going to be a title contender again next year, and I also like them drafting Swaggy Pool as well. I I really he's a good shooter, uh, can make some plays off the dribble. Just got to step it up on defense. Um, but that's a good pick to get late in the draft. He's like a very, very, very light version of Clay Thompson. Um, but he knows KD's. It all depends on if KD leaves. If KD leaves, which we both have him leaving, he says Clay's out. It's going to be the Steph show. I'm going to be healthy next year, and a pick and roll between Steph Curry and I is going to be insane. Yeah. Here's one for you. What about if he goes to Milwaukee? I don't know, man. I don't like that fit. I don't know if I like it either, but if they lose Lopez and maybe a Middleton, they're going to have to use that money. And Giannis is athletic enough where he won't necessarily have to clog up the middle, and Cousins can shoot. Not quite to the level of Brook Lopez. I never thought I'd ever hear myself saying that sentence, but... I think he's an option there. They'll have to spend it. I do like your thought, though, of staying with the Warriors. I'm going to say a team like the Bucks. I'll say the Bucks, But I like him going to another team that has a chance to win. I think he's got to prove that at some point if he's going to kind of get rid of that kind of mold that he's acquired over the years. I think he sticks around, and I think that he tries to compete for a title. But let's move on to the next guy. You got anybody else for me? I've got plenty, man. Julius Randle. Julius Randle. Well, I don't think he's going back to the Pelicans because I don't think he's part of their future. No, he's not. Um, I think that he would be he would be a pretty good fit in Houston if they lose out on a guy like Tobias Harris. That's a good fit. That's a guy that can pick and pop. He'd be also a pretty good guy in Boston if they lose out on a Thank Vichy. you. That's my team. I like him in Boston. If Horford's not coming back, I think Randall in Boston would be a perfect complement for the rest of that team. Okay. All right. I, I like how you feel there. I think he'd also be a good player on a team like Philly if they have any cap space remaining. Yeah, if they lose out on Tobias Harris, then yeah, absolutely. So Al I think Horford. we both can agree upon Boston. Yeah, and the reason being is because this guy, Al Horford, he believes he's got like a four-year, $112 million offer out there. I can't believe that at this point in his career, he's just going to take it from a team that sucks. Like he has, he's played so well in so many big games. Maybe there's a team out there that we're not thinking of that is ready to win and they think Horford's the missing piece. Here's my team, the New York Knicks. Wow. I think KD goes. I think you're going to you're going to start to build a culture and you're going to spend that money on a guy who's going to put up numbers, who's going to be a great locker room guy, help the young team develop winning and give KD a guy that he can feel good about coming back to, a good way to kind of clean up that bad, you know, aroma around the Knicks. So what do you think? 
All right, well, I got a team for you that's on the rise. We mentioned them a little bit earlier in the draft in the uh, the draft talk. Um, I think the Sacramento Kings may take a run at him. Hey, okay. That he can tutor uh, young Marvin Bagley on how to be a decent NBA power forward slash center, and he'll put them between a pick and roll with him and, and him and um, De'Aaron Fox, and then having Bagley there as well. And if they can get one of the Dayanoviches, whatever their name is, back. I believe he's a free agent as well. Um, or is the one in is the one in Indiana? I don't know. I get the two of them confused. But um, I think he'd be a perfect fit there. And I think they, they definitely have the cap space to offer it to him, and he might just take it. Yep. I like your pick better than mine, but... Well, I, I think, you know, those are two teams that are in... Not right now the same situation, but come a week from now could be in a very similar situation as opposed to, you know, as as far as being on the bottom tier of their conference, both being possible playoff teams. You know, we're talking about the Knicks without KD, but KD on the roster. And we're talking about a nice developing young core there in Sacramento who might need that veteran piece. Marcus Gasol's on this list, but I'm not putting him here. He's going to pick up that insane $25 million player option to stay in Toronto for one more year. Bojan Bogdanovic. Who's he on? This... Bogdanovic played for Indiana the last few years. Okay. He was the pro... he was their best player when Oladipo went out, him and Miles Turner. Yeah, no, he's, he's never... a very good player. I've I've never seen a guy who fits what the Spurs do more than him. Yeah, no. So I'm going to say he's I'm locked a, in I, as I a think Spur. I think I you agree he's going to be a San Antonio Spur. Absolutely. It makes so much sense. Yeah, no. All right, Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez. I think Brooke Lopez. If they can figure out the cap situation, now me and you are basically playing with toy money here because we don't know the cap situation. Brooke Lopez would be a really good fit with the Utah Jazz. Oh, nice. That would be a really good fit. Yeah, I'm not sure what their cap situation is. Um, they still got, they still got um, what's his face, Mitchell on a rookie deal, but they had to pay a good amount of money to go bear, and t- they took over a lot of that Conley contract. They did. But they just dumped Favors. Maybe they could get Lopez for a little bit cheaper than what Favors is looking for. I don't know if I'm going to make this pick more because I want it to happen or because I think it still could and it's just it would just be like a wow factor. I have Brooke Lopez going to the Golden State Warriors. Oh man, that he would have been they would have been there would have been an interesting finals had he been on that team. If they lose out on Durant and they let Cousins go and they Sign obviously Thompson to the max. You're losing some money from like a Livingston who sounds like he's ready to retire. You're gonna have some other guys off that roster. I don't think Looney's coming back. Having Lopez is gonna give you a low post game that's gonna be really good for the regular season. Let's not forget how good of a low post player Lopez was for almost the entirety of his Nets career before he started shooting threes. And the way that that team can start shooting threes and spread the floor with him once they get into the playoffs and, and presumably Thompson's back and you have a guy like Draymond, my God. I, I think that would just be a dream situation for him. So I'm going to play the Warriors, put out their resources and, and find a way to get Brooke. Okay. 
DeAndre Jordan, whatever team KD's on. Okay. <laughs> so Knicks go. or Nets or Warriors. Malcolm Brogdon, you said he is a restricted free agent. You said you could see him not being back with Milwaukee, so where could you see him? I'm stealing this from the podfather himself. He's going to the Celtics. You know, is this under the assumption that Rozier is not coming back? Yes. So you're going to have him with Marcus Smart in the backcourt? Mm-hmm. I like that fit. That's um, a defensive team right there. And that's when they've been at their best. What do you I think, think my what, friend? I think whatever team loses out on Russell. So, to me, that screams Suns and that screams Timberwolves. I could see a team like Minnesota trying to ditch a Jeff Teague contract. I like Minnesota as well. I do like I, I think I, I, I don't see Milwaukee paying whatever one of those teams is going to pay. Do you? No. So, he's going. If you have him in Boston, that would be a great fit. I think his game would play very well in Minnesota with a Carl Anthony Towns and an Andrew Wiggins and the rest. I think that would be a nice little a nice little spot for him. Danny Green. Uh, does he stay in Toronto? It kind of makes sense. Yeah. Now, a guy like Paul Millsat. Not a great player anymore, but he's had some really good years in Atlanta. Lakers. Yes. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. There's your other guy. Not a sexy name, but you know what LeBron likes? Guys that know how to play. He's also going to be he's also at that point in his career where he was he was an all multi-time all-star. He played great in those Hawks years and he's looking to win a title. I could see if they could figure out a way to get Jimmy Butler him taking a really good, really cheap deal to play with LeBron. I could, too. I, that was my team as well. You and I were on the same page with that. That made sense. Here's a shooter that I think they would love and do anything they could to get if they're the late. I'm talking about the Lakers, but I don't think he's going to be within their ballpark. Mr. J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick, man. The, the talks have been about it. He lives there in the offseason. I think he's a Brooklyn Net. Yeah. I think if the other situations now, I'm not going to pick him to go to Brooklyn because I have I don't think they're going to have enough money with Kyrie and Tobias Harris going there, and they have kind of JJ Redick White and Joe Harris. I'm going to pick Redick. I think Redick is going to stay in Philly. I think he fits that team really, really well. I think that that he helps Simmons a tremendous amount as that shooter that runs off screens, literally never stops running. I think he makes a lot of sense for that team. They're going to have to try to keep him if they lose out on, uh, if Harris ends up leaving. So they're going to keep Jimmy Butler. They're going to make sure they keep J.J. Redick. How about Harrison Barnes? I like him a lot as a player. I do too. So where do you see him going? I think that he ends up in Indiana. Okay. That's a good. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Because um, he's a guy that can just stand in the corner and bank threes, which is pretty much what he did for the Warriors. And when you have two big men and you got a Victor Oladipo can kind of controlling the ball, you need a player like that that can play defense, a three and D guy, typical. What about Orlando? Okay, I mean, I, that doesn't. They just have a lot of. They just have a lot of threes and fours over there. 
They do. But if Terrence Ross doesn't come back, which he might not, I think Harrison Barton slides right in, and he's kind of a better version, in my opinion, than of Terrence Ross player. Yeah. It's a team that's on the playoff fringe. If, if they're keeping Vucevic, which I think they're going to do, then he makes that team better. So I, I think Barnes going there, get a good deal, makes sense. Marcus Morris, is he out of Boston? I think this might be another guy that latches on to a team trying to win a title. He might go to the Warriors. Oh, God, that would be a good fit. Give them that toughness that they like. He'll knock down some shots. And he's rebound. made a ton of money in his career, so he's got He has. He's got the bankroll to to take a cheaper deal. I like that. I like him in Utah though. Another good pick. I like him in Utah. I think he gives them that same thing. That toughness, that dog mentality. And he's going to put up numbers there and help a team like that a lot. Um, so I'm going to say Utah. Valanciunas is staying, it seems like, even though he declined his player option, it seems like he's going to stay in Memphis. Are you in agreement there? Yeah. Here's two players that are pretty similar, in my opinion. One is a little younger than the other, but they're similar style. Thaddeus Young and Rudy Gay, both unrestricted free agents. Thad Young with Indiana, Rudy Gay with San Antonio. Thaddeus Young, I think, probably goes out. I think he comes back to the Portland Trailblazers. That's a good pick for them, especially if they lose out on um, Alfarika uh, Minu. I think he's literally Alfarika Minu, just not as good of a shooter. What about Thad Young? With the Houston Rockets, I could see that too. That'd be a nice fit. That'd be a really nice fit for him. Rebound him and PJ Tucker. That's a defensive front right there. Good enough shooting team. I like that fit for him. Rudy Gay. If that young doesn't go there, I could see him going to Houston. I could also see him going to a team like Denver. I could see him going to Denver. I could also see him going on a really cheap deal to Boston. Ooh. You had Boston stacking up on these vets, huh? I think that they're gonna they're gonna go vets off the bench, and they're gonna have the young guys play, and they're gonna try and win a title. Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly. I think that he goes. I think that Phoenix drops some sort of bag on him. Seems like a Phoenix Phoenix thing to do, right? Two teams: Phoenix or the Lakers. He would be amazing with the Lakers. Oh, it would be awesome. And, again, a, a smart LeBron g- a guy and a defensive-minded guy who's a good enough offensive player. I like him in Boston. Ooh, okay. I think he's the That's point That's a defensive guard. front court right there with him and Marcus Smart. Yep. And they're going to get enough scoring from their forwards that I think that they're going to be okay. And you can live with a guy like that. The last one I have for you is Ricky Rubio. No Kevon Looney. I don't have Kevon Looney. Uh, if you, we could go Kevon Looney if you want. These are the last. The, Rubio is the last one I had. All right, so we'll go Ricky Rubio, and then we'll finish it off with the uh, 
honestly, I think the guy who made himself the most money in the finals and in the playoffs, Kevon Looney. Sure thing. Ricky Rubio, I like to go to the Indiana Pacers as well. Okay. Oladipo plays really well with the ball in his hands. He also can shoot it. Ricky Rubio is a better defensive point guard. Lock guys up. I think that he's a really good fit there. Ricky Rubio is an interesting guy. Where the hell you did gotta... Brogdon going again? Boston. Okay, yeah, I did. I forgot. We've done some. What are you drunk or something, bro? What? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking with you. <laughs> um, Rubio is an interesting guy. You know where it would make sense if they can find a way to get rid of Schroeder? Spain. <laughs> no, Oklahoma City. Yeah, they're not getting off that Schroeder deal, but I agree. I don't know. I, I think any if I've learned anything from the NBA, every deal is tradable. Except but, Chris Paul. <laughs> right. I, I still think there's someone dumb enough to do that. Phoenix, the dumbest franchise and all, the dumbest kid in all of school. <laughs> could po- could possibly do that. Okay, you want to do Kevon Looney? Where where do you see him going? He's not going back to Golden State, is he? Speaking of Phoenix, okay, he's going to Phoenix. They're going to give him a max deal. <laughs> they oh need a, they need a big man that can that can actually guard people, unlike Aiton, and that's him. I don't know where the hell a guy like Looney could go because he any every team will be vying for his services, right? Celtics. I mean, he's he's young, he's obviously tough as nails. He he, I agree with you. I don't think anybody made themselves more money in this run than he did. I don't think he can stay with Golden State. Someone's going to overpay for him, which is why the Phoenix thing makes sense. Oh shit, dude! I don't know. Um... What about a team like Toronto? I don't if they think they lose, have the cap space. If they lose Kawhi, I have them keeping Kawhi. But there's a couple other guys that they could lose. If they if you trade a Kyle Lowry, let Van Fleet be the, the head guy there, point guard. If you want to look at the West, Sacramento, they too big already. It seems like Willie Cauley-Stein might be on his way out. If that's the case, then maybe Kevon Looney fits in there. So who's I, don't team? Have, I don't have a team. I'm going to be a bitch here. <laughs> I, whoever whoever overpays him. Phoenix. Wherever, wherever he signs, I will not be able to say anything. All right. Whoever overpays him. All right. Well, um, we'll probably be back with a uh, with a quick free agent recap. But Sean Sean throws an impromptu free agent frenzy at me. I thought I did a pretty good job. Oh, you did an awesome job. Thank you. I just figured. Listen, we've talked about a lot of these guys at nauseum, and we know the league well enough. The only tough part about this exercise is you got to remember who you pick going where, because that's what's going to impact your other decisions. Well, I'm just going to have to re-listen to episode 98. I think that you will. I think I will. I think everybody should. Uh, this is great content. I lost myself a little there with that Tobias Harris and Porzingis, but when you're reading about you know, a rape case, it, it could change everything. I, I think Dallas gave up way too much to let him just go. But, again, if shit really hits the fan, they're going to have to put something in that clause to say, 
you know, we rescind him and we get all of our money back or something. I, I hope that for whatever situation it is, it's not that bad. Um, it's crazy to think how far he's fallen in the last year, not to mention just to be on court. He's never shown that he can be healthy. He's never shown that he can be great for a long stretch of time. And, um, you know, the Knicks probably, I can't believe I'm saying this, made the smart decision of just getting rid of him. Whether that cap space ends up working out or not, I think you got rid of a headache, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, this is tough stuff. I mean, we'll have to we'll have to see how the case plays out and get a little more information so we can have an educated opi- opinion on it. I mean, does he get deported? Well, I don't know what the hell happens, but... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um... Again, you just hope for the best for him. But I think he's staying in Dallas. I don't think anyone else is going to throw the money at him with that kind of thing hanging over their head. And I think Dallas is stuck with him because they gave up way too much collateral to just let him go. Absolutely. All right, well, we'll be back later uh, to recap the free agent frenzy that actually happens, which... I am so excited. I'm, I'm nervously excited. Tom, dude, you, you, this is the good vibes. This is when everything Good culminates. vibes only. Good vibes. We've only. been building this up now for months. It's yes, almost and the time. Good Vibes Tour will officially come to an end after Kevin Durant signs with another team. But Good Vibes <laughs> Only, that about uh, wraps it up for this week. So obviously check out the website. Sean's going to be pumping out a few more articles soon. Um, and that's pretty much it. That's it. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Have a great night. Thanks, everybody. Good Vibes Only. <laughs>